It's got a soul, this here old farm It falls asleep inside my arms We walk the fields under the stars For love is here in Goldshaw Farms Welcome to Goldshaw Farm. I'm your host, Morgan Gold. On each episode of our podcast, we bring you stories of people who are homesteading, farming, and chasing their dreams. And it's another nice night here on the farm. I'm outside, sitting on the porch again, playing with the barn cats, and it's chilly. It's definitely getting colder and colder each night. Um, I had to put tarps out on the garden. Um, I've got uh, some young chickens that I'm watching closely to make sure they don't get too cold, because they're only still about six weeks old, and we're definitely getting a frost tonight, but it's it's kind of nice to be coming towards the end of what's high season here on the farm. With all the projects, all the building, all the activity, all the harvesting, you know, just a lot of work, and we're getting towards the tail end of our season. And so that's got me kind of kicking back and relaxing a little bit more and enjoying these nights, even though they're getting darker earlier and earlier. Um, and I don't know, things are, things are just good here on the farm, you know, and, and I know I'm not alone when I say that that feeling of relief is coming. I've been talking to a lot of my friends who have farms and homesteads lately, and they all seem to have this same feeling that I've got right now of, you know, sort of breathing a little sigh of relief and seeing a little bit of rest, uh, not too far off in the, in the distant future. And, you know, a couple of those friends are Jen and Zach Stivers. Uh, Jen and Zach, they have a, a farm and homestead down in Kentucky. And they are just some of the most prolific gardeners and canners that I know. It's just amazing to see the stuff that they produce on a regular basis. They're a pretty relatively young family. They do pretty much everything on their own. Sometimes their family members, extended family members, help them out in getting projects done. And it's just quite impressive to see all the stuff that they've created, all the ingenuity that goes into what they're doing, and all the hard work that it takes. You know, when I think about, you know, what what I strive for and, and I'm trying to build here on the farm, part of it is very much that simple, beautiful life that folks like the Stivers lead. So here's my conversation with Zach and Jen Stivers of the Stivers Homestead. We went to school together. Uh, we've all, we went to elementary, middle school, and high school, and college together. Yeah, lived, lived uh, yeah. less than a half, uh, half mile away from each other. A quarter of a mile. quarter of a yeah. mile, yeah. His mom, he grew up right down the hill, and I grew up where my mom is now, which is just right down the road. And we always hung out with the same people. Um, we had a mutual best friend. Uh, he actually passed away with cancer, and that's kind of when we started connecting a little bit more. And then a Without few years... Knowing. Yeah, it was just kind of a silent connection. And then a few years later, we actually met up at a bar. <laughs> I was recently, very recently single, probably not even officially single. The day of. Yeah, the day of. <laughs> and he was like, where's your boyfriend? And I was like, I don't have a boyfriend. <laughs> and then it went from there. And then we played one full game and the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I guess as you guys were dating and getting engaged and kind of going through all those steps, right? 
Were you ever saying, hey, long term, I want to be trying to grow my own food and I want to try to live out in the country? Like, like where, where did that part come up in the conversation? I'm so glad yeah. you asked that question because I've always felt like I was country. Yeah. I've always felt like I was a country boy because my grandfather had a tobacco yeah. farm, he had all this land. All we did was live country, but no one actually grew their own food. Like, no one had a garden that was just for them. It yeah. was all commercial. We had cattle, we had tobacco. And so I've always felt like I was that way mm-hmm. until I met Jim. <laughs> and then Jim was like, I want to start. I actually told him on our second date, I said, I'm going to homeschool my kids, yeah. I'm going to have a bunch of kids, and I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom, and we're going to live in the country. So if that's not for you, especially just go ahead and get out. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, okay, we can do that. Yeah, and I guess I was like, I was like I do this already, so it's cool. But then I realized what is really fully involved with the home preserving, home gardening, and actually yeah. doing it for yourself, rather than just trying to make profit out of everything. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess that's how it started. She kind of laid down the law and said, "This is going to be." Hold on. I wanted to be off grid. I mean, that was just a goal of mine. I wanted to be like a little house on the prairie, mixed with like an Amish style kind of life. And I knew I wanted that from the very beginning. And I knew that I wasn't going to settle for anything less. So I was hoping that he would be on board. <laughs> So, so, Jen, I'm curious, though. So, so what, what fostered that sort of burning urge? I mean, was it just a childhood of Laura Ingalls Wilder, or was it something deeper? Like, like what fueled that? Uh, basically, a childhood of that. Um, my parents, they didn't call themselves homesteaders, but they definitely were. I mean, we grew up in the middle of nowhere, and we were homeschooled, and... You know, we had a well, and we we weren't off grid, but we you know we had the wood burning stove and stuff like that. And I remember like making baked potatoes on the electric stove and stuff like that. And I hated it for a few years of my childhood. I absolutely hated it. I wanted nothing more than to get away from that. And I, you know, I even tried living in the city and stuff, and that just wasn't for me. And I I finally just came to terms with it. I was like, you know what? They told me I was going to love it when I got older. And now I do. <laughs> and now I want my family to be the same way. Just close-knit, um, you know, country, off-grid as much as possible, and just our own people. <laughs> yeah. It took my inner me and made it better. Yeah. Like, what I thought I was, and it just <laughs> brought it even more out. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. So, but you were at one time, it sounds like, living in the city. Were you living in the city together at some point? No, no. It was just me and uh, former people. <laughs> and it, I wouldn't even call it, like, the city. It was the city of our town. So it was downtown uh, Frankfurt. And I mean, it, it was a really cool It was, it was downtown. Yeah, I mean, it was a studio apartment. Um, it, was, it wasn't even a bedroom. The bedroom was a living room. And then I had, like, a mini kitchen. <laughs> and uh, I absolutely loved it at the time. I mean, I could walk around town and, you know, be in all the festivities and such. But after about a year, I was like, okay, I've had my fill and I'm done here. It's enough people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now, though, after you guys got married, where'd you end up moving? So we actually have moved, what do we say, five oh, times? Two times, yeah. What do we say, seven years? Yeah. So uh, we... Initially moved into a little duplex. That was our first Hi, place. Yeah, and that's where we had our first or why our first son. Yeah. Uh, and you know that that place will hold a special bond yeah. to us. It was just a suburban house. We didn't do any homesteading there. No. <laughs> uh, but then we moved back to the hillside. Yeah. 
So that's where my grandfather, that was a tobacco farmer and a cattle farmer, when he passed away, he uh, like beat it off equally to his four children, which was my grandma. He was my great grandfather. And so my grandma already had an established home before. She's a little elderly, so she gave that to my mother. And the same with all the other kids in that family. So this hillside just had family spread across it. And so it was about 36 acres. And like houses everywhere. <laughs> yeah, houses everywhere. So my uncle had a house here, and uh, we decided to rent it, which is little. We see it every day. Mm-hmm. It's right down the hill. That's, we moved to the hillside, but not our yeah. own. We was renting from here on. And uh, we stayed there for a while. Yeah. And then we decided that it was time for us to do our own thing. Yeah. And so that's when my father, who just recently passed away, was like, I've always had this dream. I had it for you or for me and your mom um, to build a pole barn. And let's get an easy, cheap loan, yeah. build our own pole barn, turn it into a house, and just live awesome yeah. for the rest of our lives. Let's get them a short six-year loan and do it. And so my mom was never into it, but her and I was. Yeah, and me and him, me and his dad were completely on the same page. Like I think Zach had kind of maybe a different picture in his yeah. mind of what the house would be, but me and his dad were he like 100% off grid. Let's make this thing look like a log cabin in the woods, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. So we we committed. We did this. We got the kit. That was a. An event on itself, just getting the materials out here. Uh, we had the semi parked across the road, forklift taking things back and forth on the highway, just to get stuff up this hillside. Um, but long story short, we got our structure up. Yeah. Then I got shifted to North Carolina for work. Yeah. Right as things were starting to happen, and so you know, we moved to North Carolina, and we were back in the subdivision. Yeah. And we also got a little lazy. We did. We got real lazy. Yeah, I mean, we... We, we loved it. We loved the house. We loved everything about it. But we were not who we originally planned to be. We yeah. were city folks, basically. Yeah, once the uh, once the fun of a new place wore off, but, yeah. you know, we were like, we want to come back home. Yeah. However, that nine months was the most important nine months, I think, of Jen and I's life. Yeah. Because we figured out who we were and what we really wanted to be. Yeah. And so then we came back home. And here we are. <laughs> That's really interesting that you guys say that because I, I think a lot of people, when they think about moving to a homestead or building their own home, they, they automatically go to like, oh, this is it. It's going to be this one place. And yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's kind of cool that you guys are willing to say, no, you know, we tried something out. We liked it, but it wasn't what we wanted to be. Right. And it took yeah. a couple iterations to find what fit for you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it, so much about North Carolina was amazing. We had so much fun. We did. There's not a single ounce that I regret in any aspect of it. However, the core isn't what we wanted for us yeah. and for our children, and we knew yeah. that. It was basically just a year, almost a year. It was nine months for us to grow up, learn how to be parents without our family because we've always been surrounded by them, and just be adults. And once we figured that out, we were like, okay. We're ready to go home, and we're ready to go back to the original plan. Our dream, what we always wanted, was this house, and, you know, it was built. But it was a shell. There was nothing to it. So we had to figure all that out. And I think it took about two weeks for his dad and friends to get walls up and make it livable to our standards. My dad wasn't an emotional (laughs) man. He wouldn't show it to you. No. Uh, But it it killed him 
when we left. Yeah. And so I called him and I said, we're moving back. He said, I'm taking off two weeks. I have the home ready. Yeah. And they did. And it was. It was ready. <laughs> so, I mean, there was no insulation. There was uh, just the exterior walls. Uh, we had ran the electric ourselves to pass cold, um, but there was still some interior stuff that needed to be done for electrical and just a lot of stuff yeah. needed to happen. Uh, to make it livable. Yeah. And he did it in two weeks with uh, some friends and family. And it was amazing. It two was weeks work. And yeah. uh, as soon as we got here, we got the light of our wood burning cell yeah. for the first time. And we stayed the night as soon as we it got was here. Awesome. It was Thanksgiving. Camped out in the living room. <laughs> yeah. Everybody spent their Thanksgiving work. Yeah. Right it was Thanksgiving day. So, so for folks who are listening, though, can you guys describe and like kind of paint the picture of your homestead today? Yeah. So it's a. Uh, it's a whole barn kit is what it's technically called. However, if you've passed down the road and you've seen a barn that's completely sided with tin, that's what our house is. Yeah. Um, it's a, a new age barn, I guess you could say. Instead of the old ones that you see that look like they're falling down, this is the what new farmers are getting because uh, it's cheaper, it's tin sided, and it's just it, it hangs out and it's easy to get. Um, so a lot of people are doing these conversions of moving pole barns into a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ours actually has a front porch. It's got an eight-foot porch on it with a hangover. So it looks very much like a house that you can imagine. It's a 30 by 48, so about 14, 40 square foot. Uh, and it's everything that you would imagine a house would be. However, it's a, it's it's a barn. <laughs> uh, the biggest thing that's about a pole barn is there's no interior low-bearing walls. So all you have is an outskirt, and then you can, the floor plan is whatever you want it to be. So we have our living room and kitchen is one big room. There's not a single wall that separates that, and that's what we wanted. Yeah. Um, you know, we still have small kids, and it's nice that we can be in the kitchen like we are right now, and we're looking at our kids in the living room hanging yeah. out. Um, and then we have a big master bedroom, bathroom, and then uh, two rooms for our kids, and then a closet. That's our house. That's it. <laughs> it's funny how to see how they're getting more popular. Uh, in our last episode, we actually had Don Bradner on, who who's in the process yeah. of building a, a pole barn house right now, and, and it's it's just been interesting to see that movement take off. It's it's sort of like almost the next wave of where everybody wanted to be in tiny houses, but then realized that they're not quite that practical to live in yeah. for long term, especially yeah. if you have a a decent sized family, but the, the pole barn, barn thing, it seems like a great concept. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, uh, we can't move our house like a tiny home, right? But we're cheaper than a tiny home, yeah, right. Which is the funny part, you know, it, it only costs us uh, seven thousand dollars to get the actual kit itself, and that's everything we need to do to do the structure. And then the rest of the interior is whatever you want to spend. You know, if you want to go elaborate, you can, you can spend a lot of money, or you can go more steady. And uh, really have a very cheap place. Yeah. So what are the drawbacks of it, though? The tin. Yeah. So uh, insulation is the biggest. Everybody asks, what would you do different? I would insulate this bad boy triple the amount that we did. Um, Because in the summer, that tin heats up like an oven. And in the winter, it freezes like a block of ice. Uh, So you really... You really work hard to keep the uh, temperature correct on the inside. Yeah. So that's your, your biggest setback. But I would say the only setback. Yeah. Well, with the kit, I mean, with the like the pole barn kits and stuff, you can get them to do as much as you as much as you want them to, or as little as you want them to. We kind of went the as little as we want them to do kind of way, um, really just for money purposes. So you can get you know your flooring done. You can get all the interior stuff. Um, all that done, but we did it. Um, we chose to go at cheap, so 
it really just depends on how much work you want to put into it. You know, if you want them to do the whole thing, then you can show up and live in it ready. But if you want to save your money, then it's going to take a little bit more time to do the floors, cabinets, um, you know, all that kind of cosmetic stuff. All that is basically on you if you don't want them to do that. I think I think that's a great point, and, and yeah, I mean, I think about it for us up here in Vermont, and like, I don't know, it's, it seems like that would be tricky to make work in the winter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, one of the biggest things that we didn't do, but we learned after the fact, people do double-sided walls yeah. for these places, um, and I wish we would have done that, but we didn't know at the time, because yeah. we had two weeks to get this bad boy livable, <laughs> and so I was a little rushed, and you know, if we did a little more research, we would have saw that, and that makes complete sense now that we know it. Yeah. Hopefully others that are looking at that take that into consideration. Yeah. Now, I know you guys are, are big gardeners. Can you talk about what, what you're doing from a garden standpoint this year? Yes. Love my gardening. Yeah. Jim is the seed starter. Yeah. I, I'm more of the in the heat actual gardener. I hate heat. I love gardening when it's spring or fall, but I'm not a summer gardener. <laughs> yeah. So she makes sure every, all of her babies <laughs> yeah. survive and live, and then I take it from there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with our gardening, we uh, built a greenhouse. It's a uh, caterpillar greenhouse. It's 10 by 16. Um, it actually only took about a day and a half to build. They're easy. very simple to build. Um, I know a lot of people like greenhouses. Uh, it might not be the prettiest thing in the world, but it's you know, beautiful to us and it gets the job done. So we have seven raised beds. It's about a, I'm trying to think it's, they're three by 12. We'll do the, y'all let y'all do the math that are listening out there, but we have seven of them. And then we have about a 500 to 600 square foot uh, tilled garden. And every plant that we grow uh, was started in our greenhouse. Every seed. Every seed. So uh, we do, all kinds of varieties, but are kind of our main stuff. We we have like test beds, and then we have our preserving beds yeah. kind of situation. So uh, we we know the stuff that we need, and then we like to test things out for the the following years to see if they need to go into our normal collection. Yeah, uh, we're big tomato gardeners. Tomatoes, cucumbers, squash, zucchini. Um, I actually tried leafy gourds this year. And they're for everywhere. Sure. They're everywhere. Um, pumpkins, we do a little pumpkin patch for the kids because they love that. Um, that's most of the big stuff. We like to do uh, a few unique things like the Chinese red noodle beans. We do stuff like that. Um, bush beans, which are usually local varieties. Um, they have all kinds of bush, tenderette bush beans and stuff like that. Um, and mainly just your normal stuff with a few weird extras thrown in. Yeah, but our end, sorry. <laughs> most of it is. It's not really, it is for fun, but it's for preserving. Yes. I love to can. Um, it's something that I taught myself when I was a teenager. So that's a main thing. I have to have enough that I can preserve, can, freeze, um, dehydrate, any other way. Um, I, I like to have as much of our food set for the winter as possible. Yeah. So while we do like to try like new tomatoes and stuff like that, it's, you know, it's mostly functional and practicality. Yeah, and if I had to guess, we, I mean, I don't want to run down everything because that would take a lot, but we probably had two to three hundred quarts of tomato juice. Yeah. Um, about the same amount of pickles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> different varieties of bread and butter, bread and butter, <laughs> dill and spicy. Yeah. Uh, 
bushes. Oh, we have green beans, green beans and potatoes, salsa, salsas, herbs, jelly. Jen's famous zucchini bread. We probably got a hundred bottles of that in the freezer. You know, it's just it's an endless amount of stuff, and that's our goal. Is we want the the deep freeze to be at its max, and we want to be looking at how we can build more shelves to add more canning out. Yeah. Uh, because we can that much, and that's our goal every year. Yeah. So, so what percentage of your diet, both I guess maybe this time of year as well as in the winter, are, are you getting from from stuff from your gardens and what you're growing on the homestead? I would say we never we never run out. Uh, yeah, and, and also we like to, or he likes to hunt. Yeah. So I don't can a lot of meat. We don't do like meat animals and stuff like that. Most of our animals are just for like chickens or eggs, goats or milk, stuff like that. But he does hunt. So we'll can deer, freeze deer. I'd say maybe eighty percent. We're almost there. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's great. I mean, even yeah. at eighty percent, that's really good. I yeah. mean, we don't. You know, we can't grow. I mean, we could grow our own flower, wheat, and stuff like that, but not acreage. at this point. <laughs> we need more acreage for that. So we do buy in bulk for stuff like that and keep that kind of stuff on hand. Yeah, but but if if. If it's set right now today and it says you need to make a meal out of anything that you've grown or hunted or preserved or whatever it is, yeah, we can last, we last, last a year. Yeah. It might not be our fit. We might get tired of stuff, but we can do it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> great. that's, that's great. Now, now, I mean, how do you guys find the time? Because I know, like, you guys have a job off, off farm. Like, like, how do you manage it all? It's a lot. <laughs> um, I work. I work full time. Uh, however, I do get to work home about three days a week yeah so that helps that's a big help um jen homeschools uh the kids uh, but i'm here 24 7 yeah so i mean it it is hard you know it's hard to say you know i don't have enough time and this and that but i have found that if i want it to be done i can fit it in yeah i can make time um i can you know i can figure it out and nothing, I don't feel like anything ever gets neglected. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and we always like saying once their season's over, yeah. it's our time to rest. Yeah. It's time to enjoy the holidays. It's time to enjoy the family. The work's done. Rejuvenate yourself. Because, you know, at this time, we're starting to wind down. It's starting yeah. to be like, I do not want to can another item. Until he gets a deer. Yeah, until <laughs> we get a deer. But, but, you know, it's just, that's part of it. We all feel those effects. Yeah. However, it's just having that energy to push through and just, continue to look at the, the cans piling up and know that, okay, because we usually try to count out how much we need yeah. um, of certain things. Uh, just how much will we eat this time and multiply by the weeks and try to figure out how many cores we need or something. Yeah. And so as we start marking that down, because we're being less people, and that keeps us motivated. Yeah. And just to know that it's there. Yeah. I'd say during this time of the year, we probably can four times a week, yeah. maybe five. Um, and the freezing, you know, that's easy stuff. It can be done throughout whatever's going on. Um, but we just try to make it happen. I don't know. Honestly, don't know how it gets done. But like when I look at the table of jars, I'm like, when did I find the time to do that? I don't know, but it happens. Right. But it, it's, funny. <laughs> it's like last Friday. Yeah. That my mom took the kids, and we had a lot of stuff to get. Yeah. We didn't. No, we didn't. We watched two scary movies because it was Friday the 13th. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we, we take time to enjoy the fun. Um, and even when there's work, we make it fun. Yeah. I mean, that's what we always, that's the reason we're doing it. If it wasn't fun, we would stop. Yeah. You know, so the kids enjoy it, we enjoy it. And so everybody needs a break every once in a while. But even when it's work, we have fun. Yeah. Them. And sometimes our family will help. Yeah. Um, and like, they help us uh, shut corn and 
stack green beans one day, and everybody came over, and we all sat at the table, and it was a joint effort because they know that they're also going to benefit off this. So the more you know work that they put into it and help us, then they get to reap the benefits too. So that's it's kind of a compound family effort. <laughs> Now, talk to me about your kids. How do you get them involved? How do you get them excited and engaged with what you guys are doing on the homestead? Yeah. It's two different answers for both kids. Yeah, it is. They're very different. Our daughter, Raylan, loves it. She yeah. wants to be out with us every second that she can. She loves the garden. Yeah. She's, she's just, four. She just turned four. She's just very into it. We don't have to force her to do any of that. Now, Wyatt, our son, excuse me, he's getting to the age where he's six and he's He's really getting into video games. Yeah. And he's really enjoying it. There's nothing wrong with that. However, he is kind of losing some interest. So yeah. the one thing that we said that we would never do is force him to like something. Yeah. Um, because we, if we do, we don't want him to get burned out. We're not saying that you shouldn't do that, but just in our opinion, if we force him to get out there and like it, it might push him away. And he might not carry on this lifestyle. And I, I really hope that for my kids. Yeah. Um, it's not, you know, it, it's not a must, but it would it would make my heart happy if they did. Right. So our goal is to just keep showing them the benefits of it. Yeah. And the other day we were pulling up parents and he was the one man that yeah. he was so into it and involved and he loved it. He was so happy he was picking out which kids are gonna be his and yeah. this and that, you know. It was a delightful surprise to see him excited about it. Yeah. Um and he does, you just gotta wait for his moments. Yeah. They just, it, it, sometimes it takes extra effort for them to get into it. But if the more you sit back and let them be interested, they will eventually do it on their own. But we feel like if we force it, it's, it's never going to happen. Yeah. And I don't want them to go forth. So. His only chore is to feed the animals, but he enjoys doing that. Yeah. And that's why we made it a chore. Because so he has something to get Yeah, he's an animal guy. Yeah. He, he's not so much into the garden, but he loves the animals. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now... Talk to me a little bit about the animals, because I know you've got a number of goats, right? And a number yeah. of chickens. Like, that's that's your main <laughs> yeah. focus there? We call it the petting zoo. <laughs> so, we have uh, four goats, two females, two males. Uh, we have one buck, one weather, and then two breeding females. None of them bred just yet. Uh, they're all still too young. Yeah. Um, however, we have 27 chickens, yeah. four that's ducks. We always throw out a number, but it varies. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere around there. Um, four ducks, five guineas, and two rabbits, four dogs, and one cat. I think that's the latest count. <laughs> you got four dogs? Yeah. Okay. You got a partridge and a parakeet. Yeah. <laughs> and how do they all interact together? I mean, do you, how do you separate things out? Like, do you let it all sort of roll together? Like, how does it work? So the only things that are separated are two male goats that are in their own pen. Uh, our four dogs are together, but all the chickens, the guineas, uh, the ducks, and the goats are all together. Yeah. And so it's funny that you actually mentioned that. We, our video that we just posted today was talking about how people could have their own petting zoo in a small space. <laughs> so we have a 200-foot um, Premier One electrical fencing, and we've got a chicken coop, a goat pen, and a little duck house area. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a breeding house. But yeah. Any broody mamas or babies that are just hatched or, you know. No, we're introducing. Yeah. But we don't Animals that need to be by themselves. Yeah. So all of them are introduced as babies. Uh, the one role for us to have a petting zoo functional like we do is you cannot introduce older yeah. animals to the rest of the flock. Um, everybody has to come in as a baby. You have to raise them as a baby so they know that. First off, the electrical family. 
Yeah. Um, to us, you can't train uh, an older animal on electrical fencing because they'll want to push through it rather than bounce back once they touch it. Um, but as babies, they train early, and that's just, just successful, uh, in our opinion. However, yeah. all of our animals think they're the exact same. They animal. do. I don't think the goats know their goats, or the chickens know their chickens, or the ducks know their ducks. They're just all the same. Uh, they all get along. There's no aggression or, you know, food issues. They all share, and they just, they live in harmony together somehow, some way. Yeah. <laughs> our biggest question is the feed. Yeah. Uh, conversation is what do we feed them all? Because we don't separate feeding. Um, the biggest focus is the goats. Um, because goats cannot eat the chicken feed. Um, however, most other animals can eat goat feed because it's just a high protein content. So we feed 80% protein pellets uh, to everyone, plus now alfalfa pellet. Uh, that's just a supplement for the goats, just in case we're running on hay or whatever it may be. And everybody is successful doing so. Um, but they all get along great. And we even have, for our ducks, and I'm sure you've experienced this with that, all your ducks that you have, ducks, Destroyed water yeah. as soon as you fill it up. I mean, it is just, you cannot yeah. eat clean water. With Everybody's that. always like, their water's dirty. And I'm like, yeah, and it's also the sky is blue. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no, you so. give ducks like five minutes and it looks like chocolate. Yeah. That's just the way it works. Exactly. <laughs> I'm filling up the bowl and I'm like, all right, guys, can we give it a minute? So, we, we have one kitty boy that's designated to the ducks. It's on the ground. Uh, and then we've uh, actually added pallets. To another kitty bull to raise it up in the air, yeah. and uh, ducks aren't the most agile animals in the world, so they can get up in there, so that actually keeps that entire kitty bull clean for the rest yeah. of the animals. Uh, and it just works. It works, yeah, it works well. We, yeah, we recently figured that out because it was just chaos. We couldn't keep clean water anywhere. I mean, we have a pond, but it's not in the electric fence. And the last time we tried to put the ducks in there, we lost one. We have so many turtles. Yeah. Just, yeah, so that was that was a nice way to figure out how to keep clean water for chickens, guineas, and goats. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny trying to balance them all. Like, uh, especially because they have those such different needs. But you can, yeah. if you can get it just right, it, it, yeah. it's not bad. But it just takes a little work to get the balance right. Yeah, exactly. And it could change within the next few weeks. It probably will. We'll figure something else out. You adjust and move on. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that. I mean, that, but that idea of yeah, you adjust and move on. That's key for I don't know, per, virtually anything you're going to do related yeah. to growing stuff or raising animals or like. <laughs> right. Don't get too comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you do, it'll change. <laughs> so, so, what are your plans for the future? Like, what what do you guys want to do longer term as you look out? three years, five years from now? Actually, interesting question. Because <laughs> it it's been a hot topic here recently with us at our house. Um, we want more land. Yeah. Uh, we definitely want more land. The question is, where is that land at? Yeah. Is it here? Is it somewhere else? Um, it's looking like it potentially could be somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, and then also our family. Are we expanding? Or are we staying where we are? It also looks like we're potentially expanding. Yeah. Um, it, when his dad passed away, uh, it kind of shifted things up a little bit. Um, we honestly thought we would be here for the long term, possibly forever. Maybe not this house, but we thought we would maybe move farther back in the woods with the old-fashioned, you know, tiny log cabin type thing. But when he passed, it really switched things up. And now um, it's just we're trying to figure out logistics and stuff and 
how we can all stay together because nobody wants to leave anybody and how we can do that and where we can do that. So, uh, one thing we know is the compound will hold together. Yeah. Uh, our family rolls deep, and yeah. so we'll make sure that we're all together uh, because that's how we make things work. Yeah. Uh, we know we can do all this by ourselves as a family unit and that'll stay strong. Yeah. So, uh, the plan will happen, it'll happen eventually. We don't know exactly what it is at the moment, but it will. Um, I don't think I've ever felt so unsure of what our five-year plan is as yeah. I do right now. That causes angst, but we're okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, the thing is, we still have a homestead here, which we have poured our heart into. So no matter what, we will continue to make this place better and more functional until the day if we leave. So that's for certain. Yes. Well, and, and I guess the other thing is, too, when you think about a situation like that, there's all the lessons that you guys have learned in setting up your current place and, like, the, the little things that you'd be like, yeah, I do this a little bit differently or that a little differently. And so, yeah. you know, there is that benefit that comes with it, too. Definitely. Yeah. We've learned a lot and grown a lot. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's like we mentioned about a house, you know. As much as I can imagine building another house, at least I know what I would do differently. Yeah. <laughs> well, be, beyond the house thing, though, what, what would be the things that you guys would try, try to do differently if you were starting from scratch again? I know my number one thing would be we wouldn't rush it. Yeah. We would do it uh, slow and make sure that we're, before we make a decision, we research it. Yeah. And if we don't know our own experience, we're asking questions uh, like the insulation, like yeah. fencing and different lines of that. Uh, I know if we look for land, I'm looking for something that has some establishment. Um, so we don't have to put up an entire fencing Yeah, a water source for sure. Yeah. Some kind of creek or pond or something that, well, not a pond, but we need a creek or something that continuously moves. Yeah, a lot of questions that we get asked because there's, there's so many people that are looking for homes that are like, what should I be looking for? Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, you can find 150, 200 acres for a fairly cheap price, but if you're in the middle of the mountains and only one acre is usable, yeah. you're on a one acre lot. Um, so you need to look for things that, do I have a water source that maybe I can use for power? Um, am I high elevation that maybe I can use when, when the, when the, how far would I have to dig for a well and how much would that cost me? Is this even a place where I can have a well? Is there timber that I can possibly use for either firewood or selling out, um, or having to build my own home? Yeah. Um, those kind of things that we learned now, um, because Whenever you're trying to make a profitable homestead, the first thing is land and structure. How can I do that without breaking the bank? The second thing, in my opinion, is going garden. Because a garden is uh, something that you don't have to spend a whole lot of money into to get a little profit back. Uh, and then you move into animals. Uh, you can have animals, but don't be looking into it to get a profit because animals cost a lot of money around here. Uh, and you know, you're not making a whole lot of profit, so maybe you go to the market and you're going to meet animals or. If you're just trying to sell eggs, it might not be as quick. So uh, that's kind of our order of process yeah. uh, when we're looking at new land, just from the things that we want here. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so, so what, what's going to be your process for trying to make the decisions? <laughs> it's, it's basically made. It's just if we can find what we want and not settle. Um. I mean, we, we're, we're looking already. We've looked a lot. Uh, we're actually going this weekend to look some more uh, without getting into too much detail. But 
Uh, we know, you know, we know what we want. We just well, and it's okay to get into detail. Yeah, it's just we, we don't, don't want to say something. And everybody, that, that's what <laughs> that's what 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 it right. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be looking and just checking things out. But we, like you mentioned, we have a combat. So we have about four families involved uh, that everybody has to be involved in uh, to make the decision to move forward. Yeah. So really kind of how, in my mind, the process is going to flow is we're going to buy somewhere. That's not even a doubt in my mind. It's we're going to purchase land somewhere. Uh, I would like it to be down in that area. Eastern Tennessee. Yeah, just first off, it's beautiful. We're mountain people. We love it. Um, secondly, that's a high tourist area, and for homesteaders that are trying to do maybe some woodworking or woodcrafting or different lines of that, um, that's a good area to try to sell some products. So that's yeah, nice. I like that. Yeah. Um, and if anything, we might even have to sell it. That price of land is just going up every year. There's not been a single year that the price has dropped. So it's a good investment if everything does fall through. Yeah. Um, that's where I'm at right now um, with the process. And then, so once we purchase the land, we'll start working on it. Um, and figuring out the spot to build. You know, there's, a, there's a lot of moving parts because it's not just us. Um, honestly, we could pick up tomorrow and go, and everything would be fine. Um, where we have to coordinate with so many families is, you know, who sells their house when, then is the other person sell their house, or are they going to sell on market, or is it not going to sell at all? It's just a lot of moving parts. But I think I have faith that it'll all work out. Absolutely. <laughs> so when you're working with family and you're operating, as you kind of call it, the compound. Yeah. How do you guys make decisions as a collective? Like, like, what's the process? Like, what are the, the guide rules and guideposts that you use to drive towards that? That, that just, I, for me, like, I, I couldn't see doing it with my family, so God bless you guys. But, like, <laughs> like how, how does that work? Uh, well, it seems as if we're the center. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk to kind of each family separately, and then once we understand, we'll kind of have all the family together. Yeah. Um, but we have to at least take that initial blood comment because we understand. And because it's like it's my family and it's her family, yeah. and so then we can kind of collectively, as we've heard everyone's true, honest opinions. Um, then we can get together and discuss it out and have kind of a family meeting. Uh, we're kind of the, uh, the huddle house, yeah. I guess you could say, uh, <laughs> where everyone ends up joining here. Yeah. And what do we want to or not want to talk about? Because it's what's on everyone's mind. Well, we all spend so much time together anyway. So we know each other pretty well. Uh, we know, you know, not take our personalities. Yes. You have to take personalities into consideration. And we all do. Um, and, and also, you know, with us being the kids, basically, and we have grandkids, uh, we moved once, and they were devastated. So, so if we move again, we don't know. Whether they like it or not. Yeah. No, but seriously, we all talk about it. Like you said, we all know each other's personalities. Um, we would be lying if we said that not one of the laws is going to be needed, but <laughs> 99.9% of the time, we're good. Yeah. 
for the person who's listening to this and dreaming about trying to grow their own food or dreaming of trying to set up a family compound as, as you guys are approaching it <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and says, yeah, I want to try to do something like that. What, what advice would you have for them? The, the first, first thing, so many people ask us, what is homesteading? Homestead? Am I homesteader? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if you're, if you're just, just even on my mind, uh, I've had to grow your own business your house in the hot day. You're, you're trying, trying to defend yourself. I mean, if you use even one container to grow one plant, yeah. you're your homestead. Yeah. So, so, first, first off, don't even title yourself as not a homesteader. Because um, if you're even thinking about it, you're yeah. in the hot day. Uh, but anybody that wants to take that lead and really wants to do it, I don't know, calculate, I guess, wipe that out the door. And just, just do it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's always going to be a reason not to. There's going to be finances. There's going to be family. There's going to be a scare. Uh, just nervousness. Um, join this community, as we all have. Build that confidence and just buy you a piece of land yeah. that you can give it for it. Or we can just keep it building. Um, I mean, I, it's, it's always, always hard when people ask. People, people say, well, you know, he's home most of the time, so that's, you know, easy for you to say because he, he has more time to develop and stuff like that. And it is, and I wish I had an answer for that. I mean, there, there was, was so many, yeah, I mean, there was many years where we had to sacrifice and give up what we wanted so that he could have the job and, you know, the experience and be where he is today so that this is more possible. It's just, you know, how much do you want to do now or... You know, you know, if you have, have to give up stuff now, now, just think about, about where you'll be in five to seven years. It's, it's possible. It's, it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, it's, it's a process. And then it'll, it can be a very lengthy process with a lot of sacrifice. And we're, and we're sitting right there with them. Yeah. And we don't, we don't know where our family is. Like, we yeah. don't know what we want. Um, take the fear out of the equation yeah. and just build it forward. One step at a time. But one plant in the pot, you get two chickens. Start there. Learn how to at least... Grow, grow one plant and keep two chickens alive. Yeah. yeah. And then the chickens die, get more chickens. Yeah. You know, yeah. just keep going. Keep and when you adjust and it gets easier, you know, because it's hard to make time for everything. Once you adjust for a few months, then add something else. Add five more chickens or add a goat or two goats. You know, get used to what you're doing. Keep building it. And once you get comfortable, then consider adding more. And then by the time you know you're going to have a whole whole bunch of Exactly. It's just like the palette. You know, I hope you enjoyed that. I, I, I found that to be a great conversation. You know, uh, Jen and Zach are just so honest and, and forthright people. It's, it's just great to just sit down and discuss things. It's funny, as I was hanging up the phone uh, from the interview, they were saying, gosh, you know, we haven't even said some of those things yet broadly. But uh, I appreciate how open and honest they were. And, and I hope you guys got something out of that because I think sometimes people can uh, try to work so hard to make everything seem like they've got it solved and figured out. And I personally believe that 
that's the worst way to try to approach things because number one, you're just going to drive yourself crazy trying to have that facade going. Number two, there's a lot of lessons and learning that exists out there that people are willing to offer up to you when you're open and honest and talking about the things that you're struggling with. And, and so, you know, just for those of you out there who are worried about trying things or worrying about things uh, not going right for you, it's okay. For a lot of us, that stuff happens all the time. And as a community, for us to be talking about it and, and helping each other out, I don't know. In my mind, that's that's kind of what it's all about. If you want to see what, what Zach and Jen are up to, uh, be sure to follow them on Instagram and on YouTube. I'll leave links down uh, in the show notes for you, so you can check their stuff out. Um, it's really enjoyable. I really encourage you to do that. And if you want to see what's happening here on our farm, Goldshaw Farm, be sure to check out our YouTube page and uh, yeah, see what we've got going on. It's a lot of fun stuff right now. We're actually just getting ready to harvest all of our geese or I shouldn't say most of our geese. And uh, yeah, it's been quite a summer. We've been building. We've been moving really fast. And yeah, I got to admit, I'm, I'm maybe looking forward for a little bit of respite. Uh, I know I won't be saying that come February when there's four feet of snow on the ground and I can't do anything. But right now, I think I'm, I'm kind of into uh, the idea of a little bit rest. Um, a couple of things for you guys just to note. Number one, um, you know, please, please, please keep writing those reviews. Keep sharing the show with your friends. It's, you know, each week, like I, I feel like I'm broken record each time I'm, I'm recording these podcasts and saying that, wow, we just seem to have grown a little bit more. And so it's, it's exciting to see that happen. So please keep doing that. Second, um, I'm going to be attending the Homesteaders of America conference down in Front Royal, Virginia. Um, I believe it is that uh, Friday and Saturday before Columbus Day. And so if you guys want to meet me and hang out, uh, come on down. It should be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of great folks in town for that. Um, great opportunity to say hi to people in person. And uh, yeah, I, I look forward to it. And then finally, um, this going to be weird, but uh, if you are interested in buying a goose, uh, we are going to have a number of geese for sale um, here harvested from our farm. They're pasture-raised. Um, they've lived these awesome lives. You can see what their lives have looked like uh, in all of our YouTube videos. If you're curious, you want some transparency to where your food's coming from. Um, so uh, hit me up. Let me know whether it's on Facebook or email me at goldshawfarm. Or sorry, goldshawfarm at gmail.com. And uh, let me know because uh, we do have some geese still available for sale, either live or harvested. So let me know, but let me know quickly because uh, the harvest is going to happen next week. And uh, with that, I will be back soon with another episode. And to end our show, I will ask our good friend, Mr. Keith Pierce, to play our theme song. It's got a soul, this hero farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We work the fields under the stars. The love is here at Gold Shop Farms. A city life, yeah. But we would dream of the fields under the stars I fall asleep inside its arms The love is here at Gold Shop Farms The love is here at Gold Shop Farms